welcome to a special emergency edition of the uh, Villa Talks uh, podcast. Um, obviously, some fairly big news coming out of the club today um, with Dean Smith getting the old heave ho. So we thought we should get the band together to have a little a little chat. Omar's feeling uh, a little bit poorly. So I'm on hosting duties today, which let's face it could could go disastrously wrong. But we'll we'll do the we'll do our best. Omar is on the on the call, so I'm sure he could step in if uh, <laughs> if I go off the rails. We've also got Chad Z for his first appearance of the uh, of the season. Shame it's not uh, around a more cheerful topic. But uh, great to have you, Chad Z, and Sam's here as well. Um, no, Carl, he's got the actual uh, coronavirus, um, so uh, I don't know if I'm breaching his medical confidentiality, uh, revealing that, but I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go to Chadley first on his first appearance. Um, just uh, sort of first off the off the top of your head, reactions. How are you? How are you feeling today, Chadley? Yeah, I just I think the overriding emotion is sadness. To be honest, like most Villa fans um, that I've seen and commented with and and spoken to today, um, I don't think there's been a more likable manager. I think the reaction and the tributes that have come out of the club today from fans, players, the media that have worked with him, um, staff within the club, coaching staff, and non-football staff. I, I don't know anybody that's got a bad word to say about Dean Smith, which is what made it so easy for us as fans and me personally to get behind him and made the period we went through in the continued progression from the time that he got the job so special because he was a bloke that you could just get behind. He was a bloke that you could sort of resonate with and feel some af- affinity to and... Um, it's just sad. It was, you know, nothing lasts forever, and it was always going to end in him being sacked by the club at some point. And I think it's come a bit too soon. Um, you know, the the demise and the decline over the last month since he won at Old Trafford, I think, has taken us all by surprise. And um, I'm just saddened by it all. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was surprised that he was sacked. I think. The board have, have shown their ambitions with that. They're not going to mess around. There's no sentiment in sport. They're not Villa fans. They're here to get a, a, a job done and get a return on their investment. So I'm, I'm not surprised with the news, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, like I said, just my overriding emotions today is just sadness that it's ended. And looking back on what for me is one of my favourite periods of, of all time being a Villa fan, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. It feels to me quite similar. Omar, you and I had the uh, unenviable task of doing a, a double hander when uh, when Jack left, uh, yeah. and, and it was quite similar in a in a way, in the sense that there was a bit of a sense of inevitability about it, and you know, a lot of fans were angry about that, but but you and I certainly felt just a bit sad and a bit a bit deflated. Yeah, how are you feeling today? Yeah, the same really, and I echo what Chadzi said. To be honest, I think um, I think we were in such a unique situation, in, in especially in modern day football, where we had our captain as a lifelong fan and as a, a manager as a lifelong fan. It was sort of the the antidote to modern football, really, wasn't it? Um, you know, it was it was a great situation to be in. It felt so special, and you almost had this feeling where you know you you didn't mind too much about results in the short term because you knew over the longer term, it just, it felt so much more when you won or when you did things and you achieved things together. 
Um, so I think from that perspective, it, it is really, really sad. And, and I just feel gutted, to be honest. And, you know, I definitely wavered after the West Ham game in terms of my support for Dino. Definitely. And I, I was thinking, you know, maybe it's the right time. But again, even after but then even after Southampton game, I, pro- I think probably switched the other way. To be honest, I was thinking, you know, and especially second half performance. I know it was a bit toothless, but I thought you know, these players still obviously want to play for him. And, and, and I think Matt Targis interview post the game as well, just just uh, re-emphasised that as well. So I'm just gutted more than anything else, and I'm just not really looking that forward to the next stage in our Villa progress, to be honest. Uh, the, the sort of the ruthless side of me understands it and, and probably thinks, you know, and I know we'll touch on this later on when you, you go through the, sort of the Twitter thread that you, you put out in terms of the long-term trends, you know, understands that over the year, you know, we've not been good enough and Dino hasn't found a way to play without Jack and we don't really have a, a proper identity. So I, I get from that perspective, but the emotional side, which is what, you know, is the whole point of being a fan, really, um, it, that, that part feels a bit let down by it all. And a bit gutted for Dino and everything that's happened as well, what we've been through, you know, from where we were without Dean Smith, you know, we would, there's no way we'll be where we are now. Uh, and in, in modern day football, you know, I think, yes, we've had great managers, O'Neill, Little, Gregory in the PL era. But I think in terms of impact on the club from where we were to where we are now, I don't think a manager's had a, had a great impact, which I think the point which uh, Chadzi made on, on Twitter as well. Um, maybe not in terms of, you know, finishing higher up the league but it's a, it's a completely different game these days in, in the modern era so from that perspective just gutted and for him his family and that villa connection you know it just feels a bit hollow i think and even if we get a top class manager now and you know what so what if we finish seventh or eighth or sixth um i mean it would be amazing don't get me wrong i'm a villa fan first and foremost but just that added feeling and that added um you know, that it's just the nice thing to have that unique situation, like I said, is going to be lost now. And, and it's, it's just a big shame more than anything else, albeit I understand it. Sam, how, how are you feeling, mate? I, I know, I guess we've all wavered a bit over the last uh, few weeks. I think you were probably the, the one amongst us who probably felt it was time for Smith more, more than anyone. But how, how are you? How are you? Well, I think we'll get into the rights or wrongs of the, the decision uh, a little bit later, but just. Like, like, how are you feeling today now that it's actually happened? Yeah, emotionally, um, yeah. I think the, the video the club put out, which was uh, suspiciously quick uh, to come out after the decision, uh, the, vi- the video the club put out, I watched that and I thought, oh, bloody hell, can we have him back? Like, there was such a lot of romance in the last three years, uh, you know, as uh, Chadzi and Omar touched on. And, and yeah, you know, beating Liverpool 7-2, uh, club captain is a fan, managers a fan. We really look like we're going places, and you know it was um, it was a it, there were some great times there, you know. And uh, I, unfortunately, for kind of family reasons, I couldn't make the playoff final. Uh, I wish I could have been there with you know every fibre because what a day that looked like it was. And, and and you know Dino gave us that. You know, in some ways, I think when we took when Dino took over, we you know you've probably been to watch uh, Brentford outplay Villa, Villa Park a couple of times I was at Brent I was at Griffin Park standing up what turning uh, two or three times we were dreadful and he knows how to set up a team and, and send out a team in the championship and um, and, and in, in a way I think if we didn't have Grealish if he didn't have Grealish I think it'd have got us up still because yeah. he just knows how to organise a team and he knows how to manage a team and in a way having Grealish and becoming so reliant on like let's utilise this kid's unbelievable talent in a way, it was the it was the thing that kind of ignited the whole thing, but it, but it also, in the end, caused the downfall. And I think that's the tragedy of it. 
Yeah, I think that's really well put. I mean, I've been sort of thinking this week about how 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 would you compare? Like, I mean, there's a degree with like Zaha at, at Palace, although they've obviously got a bit more about them this season. But Zaha's not on on the level Grealish was for us. It's almost mm. like if De Bruyne played for Brighton or something. You know, you're not going to criticise them for building their team around him, like no. you know. But you're right. Now that he's gone, that has created such a massive hole, and then. Um, you know, I mean, the way I feel about it is very similar to how I feel about when when Jack left. And uh, I think the combination of, within the matter of a few months, those two players who meant, uh, that, that player and that manager who meant so much for the reasons you guys have all talked about both leaving, just really changes the character of the, the club. And I think even if we, we get the next appointment right, which again, we'll come on and we'll, we'll talk about that. And I don't think it's going to be easy to, to find someone who, who can take us forward. Um, even if we are more successful as a result, it's going to feel very different than if Grealish had stayed and we'd built a team around him uh and Dino had been at the helm for for some or all of that of that journey um back to the top um I think so uh yeah it's just a and I I said this on Twitter earlier it's remarkable really when you you know we've been very critical of Villa Twitter on this this podcast uh particularly uh Carl who made the villain of the week a couple of a couple of weeks ago um but being on there today has been it's been really nice actually it's unusual like i've seen people who um have been calling for him to go and it, it from a football perspective are glad he's gone all the way through to people who would have defended him to the to the bitter end because he's a he's a villa fan and everything in between but today it feels like nobody has got a bad word to say about dean smith and everyone is grateful for the fact that you know, he picked us up in what was it, fourteenth or fifteenth in the in the championship, brought us up, kept us up by the skin of our teeth, took us to a cup final. Don't forget as well, mm. um, which uh, hasn't been mentioned anywhere near enough. I, I don't think um, took us to a cup final um, and competed actually on the day against a very good Man City side. Um, uh, and then last season, you know, it was a very good season, tailed off a bit at the end, but even so, we were very unfortunate, again, as we've talked about a lot on the pod, not to finish higher with the, the points total that we ended up with. Um, so, you know, pretty much everyone has been universal in being grateful for what Dean Smith has done for this football club, um, even if... Um, even if they, they don't think it was the, the right decision. So I think let's come on to talk about that now, shall we? Um, Sam, uh, as, a, as I mentioned, I guess you you were probably the one about uh, amongst us who was most vocal about it being his time and, and maybe he's taken us as, as far as he can. Emotions aside, from a, from a football perspective, was it the right time? Would you have given him a, a couple more games? You know, Brighton and Palace are winnable games. Did you is is this the right decision and and if so what why do you think it is? Yeah, I mean that's it's a tough question to answer because obviously I was pretty you know as Chatty said it was not so long ago we were out playing Man United Old Trafford and, uh, and you know I, in the wake of that I, I you know I was probably pretty firmly Smith in but since then I think that um, the the performances have tailed off that can happen you know form is a thing. 
Um, but I think that the, the decisions um, that he's, he's made in terms of uh, system and personnel seem to me to make less and less sense with every passing week. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it's become quite clear that his his sense of how we should uh, line up and, and what our best formation and best team is, I think that's probably changed about three times since the start of the season it, it, from what we can see. And, and and I think, you know, based on that, I just, I just do wonder whether if we let this go any further, you know, and you said yourself, AJ, when he didn't sub off El Ghazi. And I know El Ghazi didn't get sent off the other night, but it, I mean, why would you risk that? Anyway, that's just one example. And I just think that uh, it, it really started to feel as though this is a manager who's kind of running out of ideas, um, whose players have stopped playing for him. And not, notwithstanding the social media outpourings of love for him from the players, uh, yeah, okay, I get that. But that's not really how it looked on the pitch, I have to say. So I think with the international break, um, uh, the chance to do some good work on the training ground. And I also think, and I've said this on the on the WhatsApp, I think we just need somebody to come in who's unencumbered by the kind of spectre of, of Jack. Mm. You know, just come in, look at the squad of players in front of him. Right, this is what we've got. These are our resources. This, These, these are my ideas. This is my system. We're going to go and play. And I've never... I've, I've never worked with this guy. I know he's a good player, but, you know, that's it. This is what I'm working with now. I just think that clean break might help us. So I'm glad that it's it's happened now, despite the fact that, um, you know, like I said, he, he's given us three great years and, and uh, some fantastic memories. I, I do think it's right. I think there is an argument as well that, you know, if you're going to do it, do it now so that the new manager has got time to take a look at what's in the squad. Um, and you know, presumably, we haven't spent all the the Grealish money. I don't think um, because we've spent what we spent in previous years, and and when we haven't had that money, so presumably there is money to spend in January if we need to. So I, I think it, it makes sense from that from that point of view as well, perhaps in terms of the the timing. But but Chadzi, where do you stand on on whether it's the right decision, the right time um, from a football perspective? Um, I suppose time will tell. There's yeah. no right or wrong answer with that. But um, I would have liked to see him get more time, if I'm honest. I think we've all agreed that any manager would have been an idiot not to build a team around a world-class footballer. And yeah. that's what that's what he did. That, he, that was the card he was dealt with. And he made the most of it. And in the summer, he talked about the fact that actually that was different to how you know, you alluded to it at the start, AJ, that, that was different to how he's operated in the past at Brentford and the teams that have battered us over the years with less resources than we've had. He's had a system, he's had a way of playing and um, he sort of had to start again in the summer without Grealish with three or four new signings, with um, quite a lot of challenges in pre-season um, that I'm sure you've talked about repeatedly on the pod and how difficult the preparation was for this season. So, for me, 10 games isn't enough to build a new team, um, given all of the circumstances around our long injury list, our COVID issues, players flying back and forth from South America. You know, I am I am a Dean Smith fan and, you know, these aren't really excuses. It sounds like I'm making excuses for him. I, I'm in complete agreement the last five weeks he's lost the plot and a lot of the decisions he's made, both in selection tactically and substitution wise 
you know, as his biggest fan, I've questioned them as much as anybody else. And I think that's been a result of the pressure he's felt from the board. I think he knows this board aren't messing about. And, you know, if he was operating at a different club who he knew he was going to get the season or two seasons, no matter what, then I don't think he would have panicked as much. You know, a manager dropping his captain is a, is a, is a panic move that signals he's trying something there. Um, but that's because he's found himself in a situation where he needed results urgently because of a mad 10 minutes at Wolves and a serious decline in confidence ever since. Um, but for me, 10 games isn't enough. 10, 11 games is not enough to build a new team pretty much from scratch. I know it's the back, same back four, but the midfield and, and front front sort of five is a work in progress. They haven't had the same team every week. Um, and even when it's, you start to look like you're going to get a bit of consistency with selection, another injury comes along or another COVID issue comes along and you're without Louise or you're without Ramsey or Leon Bailey's out for a few months. And um, I just I just think that he deserved more time. But I see the argument for it. And there's a there is a small part of me that kind of respects the board, to be honest. That, yeah. you know, they're here, they're not messing, they're not messing around. There is no sentiment for them, like I said at the start. And uh, if they've made, reached that decision that Dean Smith has probably taken us to as far as they think he can take us, because it's all opinion at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong, then give him the bullet now. You know, Like you said, it's the perfect time. You've got two weeks before the next fixture, international break, Shakespeare going as well, intimates that they've got someone lined up. So it is going to be a fascinating, fascinating couple of weeks. But I would have loved to... Um, the club to have just backed him for a bit longer, to be honest. I totally agree on the, the mitigation. So I think there's a lot of mitigating factors. And again, you know, as, as you said, Chad, you can be accused of, of making excuses on, on that basis. Uh, but I, I'm not convinced we've even once been able to field what I think is probably our best 11 yet uh, this, this season, you know, one player comes back and another one's out, you know, Louise is so crucial to us, all of, all of that, you know, there's plenty of uh, mitigations. And we've said from the start of the season on the pod, uh, it's going to be a frustrating first part of the season where we struggle to figure out how to get the best out of this new um, squad of players. Uh, but I, I guess two, two flip sides to that argument, one which is, I, it doesn't look like we're making progress in that direction. So that's that's a concern. And then the other is, there's been a lot, you know, Gary Lineker tweeted today, oh, this is more knee-jerk stuff from, from Villa. Um, you know, I wouldn't have sacked Smith at this stage. I'm similar to you, Chadzi. I, I think he's done enough that he deserves a little bit more time. And even if you want time before the January window, you know, you could still give him the Brighton and Palace games. And if those don't go well, then... Um, you know, there's still time to do that. But, it, it, you know, lots of people saying sacking him on the basis of five games. I, I mentioned this on Thursday night on the, on the pod before the Southampton game. It isn't just five games. If you look at our form in 2021 as a whole, you know, I talked about the, the trend, uh, the XG trend. I've, I've tweeted that out uh, today for people to see. We haven't had a positive XG difference on a, on a 10 game rolling basis since February. Uh, in all of 2021, we've lost 18 out of 35 of our league games. That's just over half. And we've only picked up 39 points in that, in that period, um, you know, which is close to relegation form, 39 points out of 35 games. 
Um, and even this this season, we've we've lost seven out of eleven. It's not just the five. You know, all right, one of those losses was Chelsea uh, outside of the five, but but the other one was Watford on the first game of the season, and uh, Watford aren't looking particularly good. Um, chance creation wise, uh, it's fallen off a cliff again. You would expect that given we last season we had one of the best creative players in the league, and this season we haven't got him. Uh, but only Norwich have created less uh, XG for, than us from, from open play this season, and Norwich are properly, properly rubbish. Um, and we've only two teams have conceded more goals than us this season. So on a very basic level, if you conceded a lot of goals and you're not creating a lot of chances, then, then that's a pretty uh, significant problem. Uh, and it's been going on pretty much for the whole of, of, of 2021 rather than it just being the last five games. I think the last five games have been the, the Nadir. Like, I think we've seen it come to a to a head. And, you know, Omar, you mentioned it looked good when we tried to turn it around against Southampton. But did we create a clear-cut chance? No. I'm not sure we did. Uh, and also, as much as we improved in the second half, uh, how underprepared we were on the in the first half that we're having to send on notes to get people to get their shape for their press right or to pick up the right people at corners or yeah. or whatever you know you've got to look at that side of it as, as well so I, I think there is a very persuasive argument for why we've come to to where we are how, how would you respond to that yeah i think i think um I, it's a really weird one isn't it it's like um you can see both sides of the argument in this and, and normally when it comes to sacking a manager it's pretty cut and dry Nine yeah. times out of ten. The only situation I can think of that's probably similar, and even then it's not that similar, was Ranieri for Leicester, where he's obviously won the league. But then there was such a massive drop-off. Whereas with Villa, I feel like there are so many mitigating circumstances that there has been so much goodwill uh, built up uh, for, for Dean Smith that whether you're Smith in or Smith out, I think you have an argument either way. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, for me, and I look at it and I try and think of it irrationally and logically as possible, there's two sides of it. One side of it is what you're talking about in terms of, and I completely agree about the Southampton game, you know, we didn't really create a click, click at chance or not many click at chances. And and the first half was, was terrible. And I suppose that is the, the crux of it for me, I suppose, probably why I wavered after West Ham game is it's it's been three and a bit years or whatever, how, how many years it's been that we've had Dean Smith and we've yet to find a way of playing, a style, an identity, which, you know, he's always had at every club he's been at. Now, I get the Grealish bit and I get that. And we've sort of seen it with, with Man City and, and Jack as well, that they play a certain way and he hasn't really fitted in properly yet. He's still adapting. Uh, and what, maybe, what a shame for him. What a shame for him. But, but also, yeah. I, think, I think that also speaks of what, in terms of, you know, if we try to play a similar kind of high press, possession-based, quick passing kind of type football, then that probably wouldn't have suited Jack and probably why we didn't play it. But at the same time, you know, you've seen, you've seen managers like Bielsa. You've even seen managers like Neil Warnock in the Championship. They've adapted to a style and they've introduced a style very quickly with the same players. And I've seen managers do it all the time. And even though we've lost Jack, we've signed new players. There's still a, a core of players there and a coaching staff there with Shakespeare that you know there should be a identity. We started seeing that against Chelsea and Man United, and then it's just suddenly, you know, where where is it gone? I, I don't know where that that kind of high press. Uh, football's gone and it's not always yeah. going to be successful but we haven't even tried it against Wolves and West Ham who are obviously lower quality opposition so from that perspective I get it at the same time you know it, it's it's. I've never known a sacking like it where 
you know, he's he's almost going with everyone's well wishes and, and almost like he could return. I said this on Twitter. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and manages Villa because I don't think he's lost uh, that yeah. that much credibility in, in the Villa fans' eyes. I don't, I don't think. I think it's a, maybe we need to make a change to push on to the next level. But if we don't end up going on to the next level for whatever reason, which is likely, I think, then you know there's a chance for Dean to come back because he's he's proven that he can he can do it in the Premier League level, and obviously his affinity with the club and the fans. I wouldn't be surprised for him to come back. And and that's I suppose we're going to move on to you know potential choices. And I think that is the issue. Another issue for me is I look at the list of potential managers and n- not a single manager, even even some of the more exotic names like Favre and Unai Emery and uh, I don't know Graham Potter. Even you could maybe say to a slight extent. Even they don't fill me with that much confidence because I just think, you know, where we are as a club, as a squad, unless you're top four, you're going to go on runs of games where you struggle. You're going to go on, you're going to have points in the season where you're not going to win lots of games. You may win, lose two or three in a row. And and at that stage, what are fans going to do? They're going to blame the players, but they're also going to blame the manager. They're going to be like, oh, why didn't he make this sub? Why didn't he make this change? Why didn't he bring this player in? It's always hindsight, a lot of the cases. And I appreciate with Dino, a lot of it, some of it wasn't, some of it, you know, a lot of fans were saying, why didn't he make this sub, et cetera, et cetera. But then there'll be, you know, the games that we've won, you know, he's he's maybe made a sub or hasn't made a sub and it's ended up costing us. But because we haven't seen the other side of it, we don't think about it like that. So I think there's, you know, there's more to it than that. And I, just, I suppose my worry is what happens next. And that that is, and I don't, and I, I put it out there on the record. I don't like Christian Perslow. I've never have. I appreciate and respect what he does as a, as an operative and 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 in his role. But I don't hundred percent trust him um, as a football man in terms of ethics. So uh, I, I I I I'm sort of reserving judgment until I see who he brings in. So that's my daughter in the background there making noises. Um, I reserved. I reserved. She doesn't like him. She doesn't, doesn't like him. <laughs> but I, re- I reserve. I reserve judgment until I see what uh, what happens. Who we bring in, because I think I think there's more to it than just Dino. You know, I think what we've seen in pre-season with coaches leaving, uh, the the transfer strategy, uh, what we saw in the season that we nearly went down in terms of bringing Danny Drinkwater in, uh, things like that. You know, there's 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 that, those are not good signs. I don't think so. I don't think it's all hunky-dory at the top. I think our owners are amazing and I think they have the best intentions in the world. But I think, you know, it's not always one guy's fault. It's it's so much, I said this on the uh, on, on WhatsApp, it's easier to get rid of the manager than it is to get rid of the players or the CEO. Um, you know, that's the way football works. So it's not surprising Dino's gone, but I think there's, there's still, there's, there's plenty of people there who can look at themselves and think, you know, I should have done better. And that includes Perslow as well. Yeah. I think for me, the Wolves game was, was huge. The way we gave up that that um, that lead, the manner of it, as you've touched on, and again we said in the analysis afterwards that the way we came off a few games where we've been pressing so successfully and just didn't press at all in that game, um, and to give up that that I think if we'd won that game, even if we'd lost the other four, we wouldn't be here having this podcast today because you know thirteen points we'd still be you know lower mid table, but we'd still be mid table. Um, we would we'd still be looking up rather than rather than down, and you'd say, okay, the other the other four results, yeah, bad results, bad performances, but they're they're tough fixtures. Now we've got two week and win coming up. Um, so I, I think the manner of that defeat, the the way Mings imploded, that led to him getting dropped. You know, all of those sorts of factors um, just were absolutely huge. And I've got a, a friend who's uh, who's an Arsenal fan, and he was saying to me uh, earlier today, you know. If you'd said to me off the back of the result at Old Trafford 
that Smith would be sacked in a month. I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe it. Like it, it just, it's incredible, isn't it? But as we've talked about, it isn't just those five games. It it, it goes it goes further. So, um, Omar, you've you've touched on it. Who comes next? For me, that's the test of this. Uh, who we get in, whether this is the right decision or not, really depends on uh, who we're able to to get in. Uh, Chadzi. Who appeals to you? Who doesn't appeal to you on the sort of list of uh, list of favourites? The list of favourites on the on the better you in. I've got one here from um, uh, from Skybet, uh, which um, to me is not a particularly inspiring list. But you've got Gerard at the top. You've got Terry. Uh, you've got Hulmand, Fonseca, Lampard, Potter, Nuno. Uh, and then uh, slightly longer odds, but you've got uh, Vias Boas and, and Favre. Who, who, if anyone on that list appeals to you, or, or are there other names that that you think we should be looking at? Yeah, it's it's not the most inspiring list, is it? Which I think is the the issue and a bit of the resistance from the people that, despite the facts and the stats and the poor form and the inevitability of it, there's there's still some people that are saying it's. It is strange timing because there isn't an obvious candidate, but you know, Perslow might have someone lined up left field that isn't in the mix. From from the names that have been mentioned, you know, people keep talking about Fonseca. You know, these people that are talking about Fonseca have never watched a game that he's managed in their whole lives. He's yeah. just a foreign name that's been on the telly a bit. Um, good, good looking lad. I, I, good exactly, player in his yeah. day. Well. He was a good player, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think, you know, Graham Potter's one that really interests me, and I, I've, I've really liked him. He's a Villa fan as well, isn't he? he, he yeah, Probably. and he came to Brighton, yeah. and, and, and but he, he's a project man. You know, he he needs time. He needs time to instill his his beliefs, his his principles. You know, he had a rocky patch at Brighton, and they gave him the time to get through it. So I can't see them going that way. I think if they're going to sack Dean Smith, they they need a big name. They need a proven name lined up somebody that has got credentials of taking teams from that next stage you know I think the transition of that 11th to 14th 11th to 15th to the next step in the league top 10 is the hardest transition I think getting a team up and keeping them up can be done then progressing from the bottom five to the middle middle eight is is doable but then getting up to that next stage is a very tough task so they need somebody that's done that before, I and mean, I can't see any names in that mix that that have proven uh, at that level. So, of the names, you know, I wouldn't be interested in, in John Terry to be honest. No. Um, but but Stephen Gerrard has managed now a big club. You know, it's a two horse race, so I don't get carried away with you know relative success at Rangers. But he always impresses me when he talks. He's an intelligent lad. He's a winner. But he's actually got a bit of pedigree now of managing a huge club in Rangers. So, you know, of those sort of recently retired footballers of Lampard, Terry, Gerrard, that those ilk, I would definitely have Gerrard as top of the list there. But if I'm honest, uh, there's nobody that really excites me so far. Yeah, the, wor- the worry for me with Gerrard is he may as well be entirely unproven for me because, look, he's done a great job at, at Rangers and, you know, Celtic had been winning it consistently for a long for a long time and he's he's changed that. But it's also a poor Celtic side at the moment, you know, by their standards, they're really struggling. Um, and it, 
it would be a gamble. I think of those on the list, he could end up being a phenomenal manager, and any appointment is obviously a risk. But to me, it's a it's a huge it's a, it's a huge gamble. Potter, the worry for me is whether he's a bit of a curbishly, and he's done a great job at, at Brighton. You know, phenomenal. Um, they they really need a striker. You're the sort of you know they should have battered Newcastle yesterday, and it was very much last season all over again for them, where they smashed it on the XG but didn't actually win. Um, but he's done a phenomenal job with with Brighton, I think. But you know, Kerbishley did a phenomenal job for years with Charlton, and then could never repeat it anywhere else. So that'd be my my worry with with him. Although you know, he is a Villa fan apparently. But but Sam, anyone you've got your your eye on on that on that list or or elsewhere? Uh, I agree with plenty of uh, Chadzi's um, kind of assessment there. I think all I would add is that. Um, yeah, I, I've read a lot on Twitter about this business of Potter not winning a game for or home game for four months, and uh, and how you know we wouldn't put up with that in B six. But you know, I do think that the, the the talent at his disposal at Villa is higher. So if he'd come in with his with his principles and his patterns of play and his and you know he's obviously got that Brighton um, squad uh, performing way above the sum of their parts. Yeah. Um, and so if he could do that with our squad, then we're in business, right? And he's a Villa fan, which helps. I think the strange thing is that you could really see Dino taking over at Brighton and continuing the work, you know? Yeah. You, you really could see that. But anyway, that's that's an aside. It's not... Really I suppose the, the uh, I suppose um, the other thing is Dan Ashworth at Brighton as well. How important is he to the whole setup? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that is a big factor in this all as well for Brighton. And it's no surprise to me that they've started to get better with him coming in in terms of the recruitment and the, the overall strategy as well. So, you know, mm. maybe Potter, yes, he's done well, but maybe he's getting a lot of the plaudits when there's a lot of work going on in the background as well. We don't know that, do we? Yeah. No, I, I also right. I, I also think, I, I, I get your point, Sam, in terms of resources and they haven't spent as much money as, as Villa, nowhere near. But then, you know, people seem to forget, you know, there's 200 million pound figures banded around or whatever. I can't remember what the figures banded around, but we spent that on 18, 19 players. So, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the number of internationals we've got. Yeah, yeah. We've got yeah. a holding midfielder in the Brazil squad. We've got England international centre half. We've got Danny Ings, who's proven he can do no, it. No, I get that. I get that. I, I don't, I'm not talking about money. No, 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 no. I get, I get, the, I get that. The, but sorry, just, sorry, Sam, just quickly. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, they've got Basuma, they've got Lewis Dunk, they've got, uh, Mopai, they've got Trossard, uh, you know, players like that who are... Lalana, Lalana, you know, Danny yeah. Danny Werbeck to some extent is probably better than uh, Keenan Davis or Cameron Archer. Sure. Uh, so I, I don't think... he's got playing, hasn't he? He's got playing, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big point. They've got an identity. And I think that that is the point I agree with, Sam. I, in terms of players, I think yeah. the difference between the two sides, I don't think it's that drastic, to be honest. I don't think it's that big, especially with Jack leaving. Yeah, I mean the way he's coached them, I think that you know they're, they're looking good in in his system. Yeah. But the one player, the one manager I'd mention though is I don't know, is it possible that they'll look at the work that Lampard did bringing in the youth players at Chelsea when they were um, when they had the transfer ban, and they'll say you know is is Lampard somebody that will be brave enough to blood these these youngsters? I, I'm throwing that out there. I don't know whether that would enter there. Uh, that ge- that, that generally scares but... me. That thought. <laughs> oh yeah, I would well, absolutely ha- hate Lampard. Uh, I think. No, he... I'm not saying I want him. I'm no, just no, saying could that. No, I, I appreciate that, mate. Um, I, I, but of the names on the list, he <clears throat> terrifies me more than anyone. I think he did a poor job at Derby with the tools he had at his disposal. I think he, he did a mediocre job at best at, at Chelsea. I just do not think 
he's he's a good manager. Obviously, if he comes in, I hope he proves me he proves me wrong. But of the names on the on the list, he would be very close to the to the bottom for me. Um, you know, similarly, similarly, John Terry obviously he knows the club, and I, I think as a coach, he probably did a very good job for us, and and he's got the automatic respect of the players. But again, he's got no track record as a as a manager, um, and uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him either. I also think, I also think it wouldn't reflect well on John Terry. Not not that he's got much of a. <laughs> reputation as a upstanding moral citizen to, to, to protect anyway but to leave and uh, say I'm going because I want a managerial job uh, our defence falls apart Dino gets the sack and then he comes back in to take his job um, yeah I'm not I'm not sure how, how good that looks on, on anyone in fact including the people hiring him as well as as well as that Kuhlmann, I think there's a lot of links there purely because of Langer and they know each other. Um, but, I mean, I don't know much about him, but I had a quick look on his Wikipedia. And his, he's obviously done a very good job for um, as a national coach, but his club record is indifferent at give it, best. Give it a Chadzi and Jugsy for the rest of the season, I reckon. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay. Do you know yeah. what? Yorkie will be scrubbing <laughs> his CV away. <laughs> Get it back on the pod. Let's give yeah, friend of the pod, Dwight York. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I mean, we talked about on the pod before how I think there's a different skill set for being a very good national manager and a very good club manager. You look at Southgate; he's taken us to a semi-final and a final in a major tournament, and his club record is pretty appalling, really. So I certainly wouldn't want us to appoint Southgate. Um, but I, I also don't see that as a likely appointment either, because he's you know he's not going to leave in the build-up to a World Cup. I, I don't think so. Um, it's the ones lower down the list that maybe interest me. You know, Favre, Viaspo, those kind of guys. I Steve mean, I Bruce. Think, I think <laughs> less so. <laughs> I think Favre would be a great appointment, but I just don't. I just don't see it as realistic. And this was always the problem for me with sacking <coughs> Smith. Whether or not it it works really comes down to who we can attract and and who we can who we can get in. And I've, I, just, I've just, just been watching uh, Chadzi with his. Uh, head in his hands during that conversation and all I could think of but it was I think it was just it's just so depressing isn't it this conversation in terms of who's next because there's no outstanding candidate is there really no. unless we go and poach I don't know a Moyes or a, like a top level coach from it's a European zero, not, of getting Moyes exactly, zero. exactly 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 but don't, don't you think that we've got more chance of getting a, a boss if we want to get an Emery I don't know he's one name that I thought about or Fav then you know, the lo- the longer we, if we'd have lost to uh, Brighton and Palace, then you're selling, you're, you know, I guess you're selling a, a fight against relegation. Whereas yeah. to do it now, it, 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 are, it, are we a better prospect for, for a European manager yeah. that might want to come here and take on a kind of stable Premier League club? I think it says a lot that Newcastle, who've got one of the most exciting projects in world football ahead of them, have struggled to make a good appointment. They, you know, they botched the Emery deal. They couldn't get him over the line. They interviewed Fonseca eight times, apparently, and I think he thought he was in, in for the job. And they've ended up with Eddie Howe, who's been out of the game for 18 months and, you know, did a good job, I'm sure, for Bournemouth and played some good football, but wasted millions of pounds, has got a terrible track record with the recruitment. And Newcastle, despite all the excitement around their club, because of the position they're in, 
have have ended up making a, a pretty underwhelming appointment. So if if Newcastle and their all of their money, you know, can't make a satisfactory appointment, then I'm, I do worry for us to be honest. Well, and Spurs in the summer as well, Chadzi. I mean, they've got Conte in now, but he turned them down in the summer. Fonseca apparently didn't want to go there either, and they ended up with Nuno, who was a, a terrible. Bit like is basically Mourinho light, isn't he? And that's who they were. Yeah, I, I, I can really see Nuno coming to us. You know that I really can. I know it's uh, probably he's got links with the owners, yeah, and it? I think Men- the Mendes link as well. I can see the owners because they tried to do it. Yeah, there's, there's a reason why uh, Far is a Bruno Farg. They, I can't remember how you say his surname. Bruno Lag. Bruno Lag. God, mm. I told you I'm not with it today. Bruno Lag. Um, there's a reason why he was linked in that first season in the Premier League when we thought Dean might go. Um, and there's a reason why we bought Andres Moreira and Animal Garzi because they were trying to trying to get a, a tie with Mendes. So I would not be surprised if we see a Mendes link, whether it's Nuno or someone else. I would not surprise me at all. Who's that? Get Mourinho out of Roma. <sighs> not a bad shout, you know. But then Vieira went to Palace, right? And you might think, well, Palace have made a great appointment there. We probably wouldn't, you know, if if we were taking Vieira now and he, you know, he hadn't gone to Palace in, at the start of the season, we'd probably be a bit underwhelmed, right? Didn't pull up trees in France. Was uh, Before that was in the MLS, Mickey Mouse. But he's doing a great job. So, yeah, know. and that's the thing. Vieira's, Vieira was a massive risk for Palace of the situation where they'd been. And they'd been very sort of, Pragmatic, safe pair of hands with with Roy for for many years, and he'd done it. He'd done a great job. Uh, yeah. But I think Vieira was a bold appointment, and maybe that's what we need. You know, maybe it has got to be a, a Gerard or someone none of us have even thought about or know about that they bring in and could go. But it's such a big risk, isn't it? Like it, it is. If, it, if this appointment goes wrong with the position that we're in, um, or even if it goes wrong in the short term, then. You know, we could very easily find ourselves in a scrap again this this season. Um, and, and also, Vieira's done well. Sorry, Vieira's would have happened if we kept if we'd kept Smith. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think also Vieira's done well in a short period of time. You know, they, let's not forget they lost a lot of late leads and they gave away a lot of games and they've just had a good run of two or three games. And if we'd beaten Wolves, then you know, I know it's ifs, buts, and maybes, but would be pretty much. There over thereabouts with in terms of Crystal Palace. So although it's a good great start compared to what they did last season, it's a short amount of time to look at. Let's see where they are at the end of the season. Um, but in terms of yeah, the, sure. in terms of I'm, I'm just I mean obviously I still think it's a pretty good appointment though. I, I do agree. But I think we have to just yeah. wait wait to see what happens in the longer. No, you're right. If you're looking, of course. What? If you're looking for a comparable comparable name to Vieira for the the people that are on the list for for the next Villa manager, it's Henri, isn't it? Because Henri was linked with a job originally and. We all thought we were going to end up with Henri as the, the board's first appointment. Luckily, we got Smith, but his name's in there at 25 to 1, and he would be the, the sort of comparable guy to Vieira. Not that I'm sort of uh, suggesting it would be a good idea, but that's no, the gamble I, you take, isn't it? I, saw, I, I saw mean, st- I love him, I love sorry, him as a man. He's a, he's a wonderful man, isn't he? But uh, And what a player he was. But, yeah, I'm just not sure he's a... He's almost like a Dwight York type appointment, isn't he? In a way, but yeah, I know what you're saying, Chadsey. Yeah. Like, if we're going to take a risk and maybe it comes off, who knows? I mean, he's from the same school uh, under Wenger as uh, as Vieira was, I suppose. I saw. Stan- Stan- I'm very confident. Sorry, go ahead, Sorry, James. I'm very confident. No matter who we appoint, we're not going to get relegated. So I don't think we. I generally don't think we have to worry about that. Yes, we're in terrible form. We've lost five on the trot and. 
the decline has been pretty rapid, but we've got too good a squad and, and too much firepower, I think, to be relegated. So I don't think we should, you know, play play the safe card and make a short-term appointment to keep us up and consolidate. I think the um, the owners are doing this because they're ambitious and they want this season to be a progression from last season. So I think they'll still have hopes of finishing in the top 10. Um, and that's why I'm hoping it'll be an, an ambitious appointment rather than a safe one. Yeah, I agree with that. And I've said confidently many times that I don't think we'll get relegated under these owners. I just don't think they'll allow it to happen. But that there's a higher risk of that happening now that we're in flux and that we've got to make a new managerial appointment than there was previously, even allowing for almost a year of poor form, I would I would say. Um, Omar, what are the big jobs, do you think, for a new manager when they, they come in? What are the priorities? Um, I think um, probably win some games. Obviously. Win some games, yeah. yeah. I, I think. Well, I think you know we've obviously conceded a lot of goals. Um, I think that's been the big. I, I, I take the point around creating chances and, and that kind of stuff, but I think you know we we've yet to see Bailey, Buendia, Ings, Watkins play together. Uh, whether we can fit them in a system, obviously, is another point. But even Bailey, I don't think he was fit against Southampton. He didn't look fit to me. So, I think I think well, Buendia came off with cramp after seventy cramp, minutes. Exactly, and Buendia. And we saw. And sort he played of a, five or six games this season. It's, yeah, uh, exactly. Pretty it's pretty worrying. Yeah, and uh, you know, he's. I think he's had a kid. You've had Martinez and Luis going up, uh, sort of uh, flying South America all the time. And I think Martinez's dad has been unwell. So there's so there's so much, so much going on. Leon Bailey obviously getting injured. Uh, so I think you know, once we see them fit and firing, then I think potentially we'll start creating more. But I think for me, the midfield is a big issue, and then yeah. getting that defence sorted as well, um, and stop leaking goals. Um, I think I think that's the, the concern for me. I, but I, I, I get I, I probably agree with Chazzy. I think we've got enough there to, you know, with Ings and Watkins. You know, it's not like 2015 where, you know, it was a bit like we didn't have a striker. You know, it just looked like who's going to score the goals. We've got Ings and Watkins. They, they've been they've still scored goals in a pretty toothless team. You know, not many goals. I, I take it, but I, I get that. But it's still scored goals, and I still they'll score goals mm-hmm. regardless. So with Bailey and Bundia flying, then I think that will be fine. But I think that getting that midfield too is. Is key, and maybe we'll have to wait till January, or maybe the re-emergence of Sanson. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how it's going to work, but getting that midfield is key for me because I think that's where <clears throat> where we <clears throat> sorry where we've done well in games is because the midfield's functioned well. Where we've done poorly in games is because it hasn't functioned well. I think that's been the key. Where we've seen Louise and McGinn both put in good performances, we've won games. Where we have we've seen one of them drop off or both of them drop off, we've been terrible. And I think that is uh, that is the key for me. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think we need to get a new player in January because I think it's going to be quite difficult but I do think we need to get that balance right and and, and, and I think maybe tactics will come into it as well but I suppose the, the bigger thing for me is um, yeah I saw uh, Colin Moore tweet about we need a, we need a man, coach or head coach or manager with personality and I think I think I probably do agree with that we need someone who's going to impose themselves on these players because um, you know it's, it's as much as the players fault as it is the manager so they they need to understand that it's up to them now to get us back out of the hole, um, and even how poor we've been losing five games in a row. You know we're still we're still not in the bottom three, so I'm not too worried about relegation. It's, it's all about uh, making headway and moving up the table. Uh, and uh, if we get the right appointment, then we can definitely still finish mid table, and then that will still be a successful season. But if we're struggling at the bottom end, then I suppose nothing's lost in the longer term, but um, it's, it won't be improvement there. The, owners are looking for and I think even this season you know they still want to finish mid-table or higher regardless of Grealish leaving 
I would say on the the defence, uh, I think I mentioned this on Thursday night as well. Um, in terms of the chances we've given up, we're not actually giving up more chances than we did yeah. last season. Yeah. Again, you know, in the Southampton game, Armstrong could have that shot 50 times and he'd score once. You know, uh, some of the goals we've been con- conceded have been great goals, but we've been unfortunate. And I think we're something like six goals worse off than you'd expect versus the XG predictions which is is a lot uh out of 18 goals conceded that you know that's a very high yeah percentage mm-hmm. some of that is down to you know martinez hasn't been at his, his best and perhaps you know a couple of those goals you could say at his best he probably would have kept them out but i, I do, yeah I, I i do think defensively it hasn't been quite as bad as the number of goals we've conceded suggests i know i used that as part of my case against smith earlier but i was playing devil's advocate so Sam, do you agree with uh, Omar or similar priorities? Yeah. Anything else? I think, I think, yeah, I, I do to to a large extent. For me, I think the the new manager comes in, and the, and the first thing you've got to do is you've got to evaluate your squad, and you've got to think, okay, well, which of these kids might make more of an impact? You've got to say, okay, well, Sanson's not had much game time. You know, I know he's been unlucky with injuries, but I th- there's there's also a whiff of Dino didn't fancy him. I, I mm. think I have to say that. Um, so, you know, does the new manager come in and uh, and and take a different view and and you know, you know, look at the back four? Does does House get more of a run? I, I'm not saying these things should happen, but I think if you're the new manager going in, you look at the squad and you've got to you you've got to make some of these calls. You're probably going to want to, you know, make a couple of changes, and you're not just going to. Um, you know, send out the, the the team that Dino was sending out in the shape that he was sending them out in. So I, I would expect that when the new guy comes in, um, we are probably going to get a sense of which of the kids he really thinks can make an impact. And I think we'll probably get a, a sense of uh, perhaps, you know, given that we hope he's going to be more lucky with injuries than Dino, we'll at least have a sense of what he thinks his best team is and particularly that midfield three. So I do agree with Omar on that point. I think that's really important, that sorting that uh, midfield three issue out. Chadzi, if we did put you and uh, Jugsy in charge, what would you what would you be doing? How would you set up for Brighton? What would you be looking at doing over the next, I don't know, five or ten games? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd do is I'd be banging on the chairman's door for a central midfielder, um, you know, I, I got a bit carried away at the start of the season after a few good results saying, yeah, um, it was the right thing not to do to um, not sign someone. But, you know, the games I've watched this season, our, our midfield, OK, we haven't had a fully fit Louise McGinn playing together that regularly. But, you know, Nakamba wouldn't wouldn't get in our 2015-16 relegation team. I genuinely don't think. Yeah. And I've got nothing against him. I like him as a bloke. He seems like a good yeah, character. Yeah. But totally agree. My word, my word, if you want to finish in the top 10 of the Premier League, he doesn't get in any other team in this league. He can't pass the ball. Um, John McGinn's way off it. Absolutely way off it at the moment. He runs around a lot. He turns people. He's high energy. But his end product, you know, his numbers in terms of goals and assists and his end product is terrible and he doesn't keep the and ball again, either he's, he's really you no. know and it's because he's, he's and again, because he is trying ambitious passes and yeah. stuff like that he's a risk yeah. taker but yeah. you know our, our ball retention is is so poor and i think he's a very big part of that yeah and i like him and i think there's a place for him in the team but again there's not many teams in the top 10 that he 
he gets into, you know, Romeo and Ward Prowse the night were just a level above our midfield. Suchek and Rice, yeah, Suchek and Rice, the Wolves midfield. It's just every game in this at this level is one in in midfield. And I, I said um, it, ha- Chadzi. I said it on the WhatsApp the other night. Every team we play is better at passing the football than us. Uh, every team, even yeah. when we play Norwich, they're better at passing the football than us. You know, we should still beat them because they're rubbish. But purely in terms of quality of possession, they pass the ball better than us. You know, and and yeah. th- that comes down to that midfield three, I think. Yeah, and that's what I'd be doing. I'd be adding some quality in midfield, and then you just got you've just got hope for the best that we get a, a, a sort of run of better luck with injuries and COVID. And you know, Ings, Bailey, and Buendia have only been on the pitch for thirty five minutes together this season. Yeah. So once they get playing and once they start creating some connection and um, getting used to each other, I think they will start to click. There is some quality in that in that front five, without doubt. So. Um, yeah. Just to be clear, Chad, are you dropping Watkins? Just to be clear, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so how are you? So how are you getting Ings, Buendia, and Bailey in the side? I'm not necessarily. I think that's. The, I think we need to be flexible with our tactics and our selections based on who we're playing. Um, I, 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 if I'm honest, I quite like the three-five-two earlier in the season. And again, Watkins and Ings haven't had enough time to form a partnership. Nothing much happened when they're both on the pitch together. But I think if you give them 38 games together on the pitch, they'll score 15 to 20 goals each, and that's enough to that's enough to get you well up the league. Um, Buendia, for me, <laughs> he's still got a lot to do in a Villa shirt, but it's crisis of confidence, fitness levels, and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know the answer to how you get all four of them on the pitch, but. Um, I don't think Leon Bailey's going to be putting in many 90-minute performances for us, if I'm honest, from what I've seen. I think he's going to be a, a, a Dama Chore type player. He might give us 60 minutes here and there or 30 minutes here and there and then have a few weeks off. But I'm not banking on him for 38 games, I'll be honest. But I guess part of the question is I think we all recognise the need to address the midfield issue and I think we talked about that a lot in the summer and... You know, Sam and I had a little disagreement about uh, the, the transfers and, and how we felt about them at the end of the, the summer. But all of us thought it was a miss to not sign at least uh, one central midfielder, a defensive midfielder, regardless of whether that should have been instead of Ings or as well as or, or whatever. We won't go over that ground again. I, th- I think, um, uh, AJ, but, sorry on that. I think if we have Nevers and Matinho or Rice and Suchek as a midfield two, then you can easily play Bundia as number 10. You can easily play Bailey. You can play Watkins. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we had that conversation about Barkley I think, I think that's starting what it, games for Chelsea earlier That's what it boils down to, yeah, like, exactly. If you've got that strong base, like Barkley was a liability for us because he offered nothing defensively. But if you've got, um, you know... Jorginho and Kovacic or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or Kante or whoever playing in behind then he, he has that freedom, doesn't he? And and we know what he can do with the ball because he did it for us on occasion. But I guess there's a slightly different question that we've sort of all, you've all ignored a little bit, which I think we all recognise that need to strengthen midfield in January. But what team goes out against Brighton if you're the manager? Like, What are you doing differently for what Smith has done in the last few games? I think there's, very, there's very little you can do too differently, I think. I think we're, this is where Smith's unlucky because by the time Brighton comes around, I imagine we'll have... Bailey, Buendia, Ings, Watkins, or and Louise and Louise fit. Whether they're fully fit or match ready is another thing, but they'll be fit. 
Troy uh, even maybe Troy Ori. and I think Troy as well you know we haven't talked about him I think he's a massive miss as well because he can impact mm. games from the bench yeah. and he's something different as well and starting games as well you know if we didn't if Bailey's injured or Wendy's not on firing then you've got Troy who was who was at times brilliant for us last season yeah I, mm. I know he's been hit up and down but he's a uh, He's an excellent player uh, on his day as well. His so numbers were decent. Numbers were decent. And he's, and he, he's our best winger. He's our best winger. He can, on his day, he can be. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think this season yeah, he when he's come on, he's been brilliant every time. So I think, again, he's been another best. But I think for me, what I would be looking to do is, is probably going back to the 4-3-3 um, and trying to play Ramsey, um, McGinn-Louise um, and Bailey. Who's your front three if everyone's fit? Uh, I would probably play... Uh, Bailey Watkins and Ings and play Watkins from the left um, to that's what um, I'd have Watkins off the left Ings and Traore off the right wow no no Buendia or uh, Bailey for you not the, not the moment no they, neither of them have done anything to prove to me they should be in the team yeah. Bailey's given us 20 minutes cameo against Everton third team and everyone got carried away but he's done nothing for me Apart from that, I think when he's been injured, but last two weeks he's been terrible. I think Wendy has been good when he's played on the right, which is his preferred position. I wanted to see him as a ten, and I, I'm not uh, annoyed that we tried to play him there, but it didn't work, and partly for the reasons of, of the other players around him, as, as we've just touched on. But on the right, I think you know he was instrumental in our best period of the game against Southampton. Um, oh, by miles, you know, yeah. He got he got the assist against West Ham, as well. Uh, his fitness is a is a big worry for me, but I think he he needs a run on the on the right. But you know I'm not averse to giving Traore um, a run um, either. Uh, so yeah, I mean I, I I'd be happy to see Watkins on the left. I've talked about that before. If we need to get him Annings in the squad, but equally I am happy to drop either of them and play one or the other. And probably at the moment on form that's. Ings and Watkins off the off, off the bench. Watkins has never been dropped for us in his entire period as, as a Villa player. I don't think he's ever really deserved to be dropped. He's always played well, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for him to see that he's not guaranteed a, a start um, either because he's had some indifferent performances this season. He was poor against Wolves for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think there, there's options there. I think the issue is, as we've talked about, midfield. Who's the preferred centre half partnership? Uh, Cons and Minks for me, hundred percent. I don't, I don't rate to Anzebi at all. Uh, and I think House is an adequate backup, but no more than that um, for me. Yeah, I agree. That. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I guess I agree as well. I think I mean Conser is a phenomenal defender, but I do think his ability to play out from the back is very limited and I think that limits us a, a lot in the way that we can in the way that we can play and uh, he doesn't give it away a lot but he's super conservative and I don't know if that's just a confidence thing I don't know if he's been instructed to just give it to whoever's playing on the left of him and for them to just bash it in the channel which tends to be what definitely not an agamba <laughs> yeah 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 so um all right well uh, I, I guess we're sort of coming up to the end of the the, the pod, really. I suppose it's been a bit of an, an emotional, a uh, bit of an emotional one. Um, I think we're all sad to see Dino go. I think we've touched on that, but let's hope we do make a, a, a good appointment and uh, that it does turn out to be the right the right decision, Re- regardless of some of us thinking 
it's too early, we shouldn't have sacked him, whatever. Obviously, we're all Villa fans and we just want the club um, to to do well. Um, shout out to Mebay Digital, who sponsor the pod, um, local digital marketing agency. Check them out for all your uh, digital um, needs. And uh, please do um, follow us on the various social media, subscribe to us on the various podcast uh, channels uh, and give us the uh, give us a bit of support if you enjoy uh, listening to us ramble on. Um, I'm not sure when we'll be back. I guess we might do some kind of preview before uh, mm. Brighton. Yeah. Um, hopefully Omar will be back in the hosting chair. No, I don't, I don't know about that, mate. I think you've. Uh, I think you might have ousted me. I think you've done an Australian no, job. No, no, I don't job. think so. This reminds me of when Boris Johnson did "Have I Got News for You" for the first time, mate. He was, you know, you've absolutely <laughs> stole it. <laughs> don't, don't ever compare me to Boris Johnson. Again. Jesus, what way to end the pod? Jeez. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully, we'll you'll uh, hear from us again before Brighton and uh, up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Good luck, Dino. Cheers to Dino. All the best, Dino. Dino. I love it. Manu, bhot changa lagda.